Asia Tech Podcast. Voice of the Asian Tech Ecosystem. We are live in the Asia Tech Podcast studio. My name is Graham Brown, joined by Alan Schmoll, the founder and CEO of Zave. Alan, welcome. Thank you. Great to have Pleasure you here. Pleasure to be here. Oh, it's great to have you here. We're going to talk about Zave. We're going to talk about your journey as well, getting to Zave, mm-hmm. how you got there, the problem that you're solving. Mm-hmm. You are, by your own definition, a financier. Mm. Is that right? You come from mm. the world of banking, and mm. now you're in engineering mm. and business services. Mm. So there's an interesting journey there. It's confusing. <laughs> to most people, I appreciate that. So my uh, my background through education, at least, is engineering and commerce. So I did right. the double degree, electro- electrical electronic engineering, um, a fair bit of computer science, um, certainly back then in engineering and more so now in the computer science department. And the idea was I would do a Bachelor of Commerce so I'd have the option to then move into management at an engineering company one day, which sort of seemed to make financial sense. Mm. And then, um, and then I decided to go and pursue the world of you know Wall Street sales and trading. And mm. um, you were I was trade? just sort you of attracted. Uh, well, on a trading floor at a bank, right. so not, not at an open cry, open outcry exchange. Right. And um, it just back then, I think things have changed a lot. Fifteen years ago, banking was sexy, technology was yeah. a little bit funky and clunky. Um, and I sold my soul to finance for a good part of ten years. Yeah, and the big names in finance as well, the big banks, the. Bank of America, Merrill Lynch, which were the you know, the main guys in that space, right? Yeah. So it's like the, the premium names. You're right. Back in that day, the best blood went to, the talented people went to investment banking and they went into that space, right? Mm. Whereas now they go into technology, right? Mm. But that was how it happened, right? Mm. So you that's, that's where you kind of learned your trade, your craft, yeah. right? Sales, brokering. So mainly, um, mainly trading and mm. trading in, in primary securities. So... The, the equivalent of an IPO and bond is a new issue. Mm. So the, in the new issue market, so primary trading new issues. Um, that was the most part of what I, what I did and, um, and a little bit of origination of those securities as well. Mm. Um, but the, the, the reason that it was, it was a sort of a soft landing out of a commerce um, engineering degree is fixed income, I think, more than equities is quite mathematical. Right. So it is the engineering skills are not completely lost. Mm. Partly lost, but Quite not completely lost. Yeah, and, and there are some very sophisticated, um, you know, structuring teams, and they tend to sit in fixed income. Right. If you look at the the global financial crisis in two thousand and eight, it was produced by the fixed income departments and in overstructuring mm. um, securities, collateralized debt obligations, etc. So a lot of that tend to come out of that that part of the that part of the bank. Uh, are those now the teams that are getting replaced by algorithms? Are they sort of slowly being edged out? Now that a lot of that is replaced by high frequency trading and so on. Yeah. So um, I think the short answer is is yes. Um, and there are some areas that are going faster than others, but they're all slowly going. Yeah. And I think like many industries, and I'm sure we'll get to corporate service at some point. There's going to be this. Um, there's going to be this uh, this existence of, of man and machine, and sort of getting that to, mm. to fit well together and. And in, in, in fixed income, it's it's the trading is going to be done electronically. Um, the work of salespeople is is really just going to be relationship connecting, making sure that people have what they need. But execution is going to be entirely electronic. Mm. Well, you've brought it up. Let's go there. Corporate services. I mean, Zave. Let's talk about that. And I, we have your pitch deck here, so we'll flash it up on the screen. If you're listening on audio. We'll also sort of talk through. We're not going to do all the slides on the pitch deck. We'll pick out the key points here. Excellent. 
And I always like to start, and I'm glad you you sort of put this in your your main slide with the the problem. Yeah. Right. So if you can go to slide two, you've actually got it in here. Yeah. So you've got it within the, the the vision and the mission, and I think it's so important that when you're storytelling about your company, mm. is to start with what is the problem. Yeah. First, rather than you know what do we do. Yeah. So what is the problem? Yeah. Corporate services. So the, um, the, the problem is actually twofold. And there are issues on the part of the, the company, the startup, the SME, the fund that's consuming corporate services. Mm. Um, and there are issues with the corporate services firms themselves in terms of um, how they execute their, their roles and their duties with, with those clients. The, um, the client side is, is one of transparency and access to data. Um, it's also one of um, um, time, use of time, allocation mm. of time. And my experience, and this is not my first startup and a previous startup, is we were just spending far too much time on, on routine corporate services that mm. we felt could be done um, a little bit better through technology. So it's providing a better experience to, to startups, SMEs, funds. Um, it's allowing them to spend more time as the, the vision and the mission kind of lays out, you know, building businesses, making it easier yeah. than ever to build businesses, grow businesses, flourish, doing what they love. Hmm. And I don't think any entrepreneur will tell you they went into, um, into the space to, to work in corporate services hmm. and work on corporate services tasks. So. Hmm. Th those those are sort of the that's the core problem set that we're solving for the for the the companies themselves mm. and then the other piece we're solving for is the the actual corporate services firms the well themselves in terms of how they allocate resources and and we felt that they are also very inefficient and they're oh, spending so you mean so the, the so f let's put it into context what a corporate services firm is for most people that they understand yeah. is yeah. the company and corporation mm. the the ones that do the the do, the the fiduciary responsibilities of the the company yeah. the governance and you know you can go online and get this stuff right mm. and they'll give you a package you know th those are the kind of guys we're talking about or is something so the people who sit on top of that off offer all the other kind of extra services yeah so it's a corporate services provider so the the broad umbrella is corporate services then the um then the actual products beneath that are company corporations corporate secretarial mm. and corporate secretarial governance and requirements change jurisdiction and jurisdiction hong kong and singapore actually have very very high standards mm. um, and hence there's a huge industry around that um, australia the uk a lot more relaxed in fact i we recently incorporated an entity down in australia i mistyped the name of the the parent company holding that um, entity and uh it completely got through kyc right wow and I've changed it, so everything's fine if there's any Australian regulators on the line. Um, and in the U.S., there's no concept of all of CorpSec. Mm. So you're there not? There's not. So it, it's, it's a common law. It's an English, it's an English thing. It's a, com wow. it's a Commonwealth thing. So it's uh, corporate governance is each to their own in the States. Right. Whereas in Hong Kong and Singapore, it's you have A lot of it's done by lawyers, though, isn't it? Like licensing. And so you have to apply for a license in a state, for example, with a business. So it's, a lawyer would come it, in. That, and that would be phenomenally expensive. Yeah. So to incorporate, you'd, you'd hire a lawyer and then, mm. then you kind of bring lawyers in when you're actually doing something interesting like issuing shares, stock mm. option plans, issuing convertible notes, whatever it is. But your routine, adding directors, moving directors, yeah. um, changing the industry codes, changing the name of the company, that stuff you just do yourself. Yeah. Or, or you don't do it. Like you, yeah. you can add directors in the US without actually passing a resolution. 
Hmm. It's really up to each company in terms of the standard of governance that they self-regulate themselves. Whereas in other parts of the world, in Hong Kong and Singapore, the extreme, hmm. um, and for obvious reasons, given you know low tax environment and easy hmm. to do business and attract certain types of companies. But it has a benefit as well. The fact that it is strict means that Singapore is seen as a destination yeah. to incorporate your company because yeah. it carries with it a kudos, doesn't it? It carries it does. with it like the credibility. There's a lot of Southeast Asian companies who have their Singco, their top level yeah. company here in Singapore yeah. for investor purposes, right? Yeah. Investors feel safe that the the parent company or the yeah. main company or the IP holder is here in Singapore. Yeah. Even they're a Vietnamese company or an Indonesian company, for example. I think you're right. It's it's a gold standard um, of where you have valuable assets sitting and incorporating and protected by a legal regime that it's been around for a while. So, mm. I mean, I think a lot of people now refer to Singapore as the, the Delaware of Asia. Mm. And I think that think that's right. And Hong Kong is the Delaware of greater China. Right, okay. I mean, and you just look at the numbers. Yeah, and, and, you, and you've probably heard these numbers a bunch of times from other providers, but, you know, it's the numbers of companies being incorporated in Hong Kong and Singapore off the charts mm. in terms of just, just a ratio to the population here mm. for many reasons. And, and the ones that, you, that you've outlined are, are re very relevant. Which presents a challenge, which is that there's a lot of paperwork and Correct. a lot of processes now. So let's let, let's look at that. We've looked at what the problem was, compound that with the numbers. Yeah. And now let's have a look at the solution. Yeah. So if we can jump back into the, the pitch deck. Yeah. Um, slide three, we have the Zave solution. I'm curious about how, right. you, how you're sort of going about this and also yeah. sort of how you're going about it slightly differently to everybody else. So yeah. Your service is sweet. So tell, it, tell us a little bit about what actually you do and then also how you're doing it differently. Because yeah. there's a lot of companies, you know, from the mom and pop stores who yeah. run in corporate sec to the large guys, you know, yeah. who've been around for years, right? So let's start here on slide three. So what have we got here? So in terms of the services suite, there are hundreds of providers in Singapore that could show you the same slide. Mm. Um, and, um, you know, some of them also do other things like they provide auditing services. So we're not a public accounting company. You know, we provide bookkeeping, we prepare financial statements, but we're not auditors. We have a community mm. of auditors that work with our clients as and when they need to get audited involuntarily or otherwise. Um, so that page is actually not how we differentiate right. ourselves. Those are the same bubbles you should see on any reputable corporate service provider. It's the way we deliver the service that I think is different, and it's the way that we work with, um, you know, the, the industry so they can be more efficient on what they do delivering those services. Mm. So um, I think there might be a a screenshot of of one of our of, of our of our product. Um, yeah, I so think it's with down. the compliance yeah. static. Keep going. I think it's about five or six. No. Yep. There. There we go. Yep. yep. Back one up. So that's the that's the dashboard. Yeah, it's the one above, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. Uh, so, no, sorry. <laughs> yep, there we go. That's there, it. Yes, the one below. That's what I meant. Stay there. Yeah. Easy mistake. The so, dashboard. Sorry. So th this is the um, this is this is the dashboard. So you know, I, I'd say around twenty percent of what we develop, the client see. I'd mm. say eighty percent of what we develop, the corporate services firm. Right. Which right now is us, but that model's evolving. Right. Sees. Okay. So what we have here is, is what the client sees. A little bit like Slack or Atlassian, you have your own dedicated URL. So if ATP Podcast was to use it, it'd be atppodcast.save.sg. Mm. It's like Gmail, it's always on. You can access it as you'd access your email, your Gmail. Right. Um, and then there are a bunch of things that you can do. So the screenshot you have up here is the uh, compliance dashboard. It's a window into compliance world. Mm. So it's bringing transparency 
to what is in an Excel spreadsheet somewhere with you or the professional service provider. It's all there. So dates and deadlines, um, you know, financial year ends, when your AGM is due, when your annual return is due, when your tax return is due, your form CS. Um, exemptions, are you audit exempt? Are you ECI, which is a tax computation exempt? Are you licensed? If you're FMV, what license do you have? Mm. And, and where are you keeping a track of all that? This is a solution to provide an easy way for people to know exactly what they're exempt from and what their dates and deadlines are. Right, and this would be, on the other side of that, would be the corporate services provider, Correct. right? Who they could communicate with. Correct. So so that's that's the static dashboard, and then um, then there's a bunch of, of other kind of features there. I think the the next one that I'd love to kind of run through is the, the tasks module because this really hits at the heart of mm. the inefficiencies mm -hmm. between, between corporate services, providers, um, and their Store. clients. So um, there should be a screenshot of, of tasks. It's after, yeah. There we so, go. That's yeah. it. So w when we... So taking a, a, a little step back, when we first started looking at this industry and um, for us, we kind of came at it from the perspective of how can we make bookkeepers um, and accountants more efficient? Mm -hmm. And we've now broadened that out into other workflows, CorpSec. Again, CorpSec is only really a Hong Kong and a Singapore thing, whereas accounting and the efficiency around producing companies' accounts, mm -hmm. that's, a, that's a global pain point. So that was the most interesting bit to us. CorpSec, Hong Kong, and Singapore. So we need mm. to have that in these markets. And what we realized, and when we surveyed a bunch of, of bookkeepers, you know, that are using QuickBooks Online or using Xero or using Sage or whatever it is, a, a very small percentage of their time is actually spent reconciling transactions and producing financial mm. statements. The vast majority of their day was spent communicating back and forward, seeking missing documentation, Chasing Asking up. for the nature of transactions. Yeah. Money just left your account, Graham. Yeah. Where did that money go? Yeah. Money just came in. Who did that money come from? There's a supplier there that we've not heard of. You know, it's, it says Amazon. So what is that? Is that server expense? Is that books? All that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So we found that the lion's share of the day is actually spent on that communication, the collaboration kind of back and forward. So that's where we entered this space in tackling that efficiency. The have your stuff online, a dashboard, access your documents, your registered mail, fine. That's there as well. I think the more challenging problem set that we're solving for here is those efficiencies. Right. And that's where the AI kicks in. Right. So this yeah. is, okay. Yeah. Th that's okay. my question is like, right. how? Here we because, go. Yeah. Because yeah. right now is that I think what the, the market is, is very much the the cutting edge of corporate secretarial mm. services or corporate services is taking what was once offline on a laminated spreadsheet or a laminated yeah. sheet online and creating dashboards. Yeah. But as you said, even if you were to do that, a vast percentage of it is still this chasing up, which is vastly inefficient, right? Yeah. Inefficient, right? Yeah. Which is like, you know, Alan, like it's three weeks now and I've been asking for this receipt, yeah. right? Where is it? That sort of thing, which is yeah. just not, it's not a good experience either. So, mm. Tell me, AI, I'm, my, I'm, you've got all my attention now. Right. How, how do we deal with it? Okay. So there, there, are, there are many applications for AI, needless to say. And, and there's even a lot of applications within our corporate services umbrella. So why don't we just start with the accounting piece? Hmm. So let's say a company has 25 transactions going through their, their accounts every month. The, the accountant's probably going to have half of them, maybe slightly over half, where they have all they need already to reconcile those transactions mm. because it's a bill and there's a document against the bill. 
it's a staff expense and there's a document on against the staff expense. And there are things that we do to make sure that documentation coverage is really high and we process staff expense and bills for our clients. Regardless, there's always going to be a percentage of those transactions where you need something more, yeah. either from an internal stakeholder, your management, or an external stakeholder because you're providing an outsourced service. And that's usually they want to know what the nature of the transaction is or they're seeking missing documentation. So what we're, what we're doing is that's where we have a deep integration with, um, with Xero. Mm. Um, your viewers may or may not be familiar. Um, you know, Xero and, and QuickBooks Online are sort of the two premier global accounting software platforms. QBO is sort of more, although I'm sure they would disagree, but from what I can tell, and the data seems to speak for it, US-centric. Yeah. Zero is Commonwealth country-centric. There's, there's no doubt about it. Zero is the better package yeah, here yeah, in Singapore yeah. and in Asia. So, and it's, and, it's, and it's better for various reasons. Mm. It's, the usability is amazing. The way they work with developers like us is incredible. Right. Um, you know, the way they integrate with financial service institutions is amazing. So they have integrations with all the banks here in Singapore, um, save OCBC, but I believe that's coming online the next couple of months. So, you know, there are efficiencies with using Xero. You know, the bank, you have the bank feeds, the, mm. the transactions all come in. So that bit's, that bit's great. And nobody in their right mind would ever try and replicate anything that's, that Xero has done. That ship has sailed. They've got an mm. amazing platform, and I think they're shooting for the stars. Um, so we build on top of it to provide an experience um, for clients that are saying, you know what? I don't want to do my books myself. I want to outsource it. So now you have, now you're creating a layer between you and your accounts because you're not doing it yourself. Mm. And you're either now having to communicate with your accounting team internally or you're having to communicate with, a, with an external accounting team. It's, it's kind of the same. Mm, mm. Um, and what we're doing is, so getting back to those transactions, so the 25, let's say there's 10 that are left over where they need more information from, from the client. So what we're doing is we're we're extracting that um, structured data from from zero, um, from that's unreconciled transaction. So the date of the transaction, the currency, the description on it, if there is a description, the amount, whatever it is. Um, we're then wrapping that in natural language and then producing those questions back to the client mm. in a close to automated fashion. As a bot. Is a bot. Yeah. So basically, the, the the system looks at the transaction, tries to figure out mm. what needs to be done in order for the accountant to complete that, and goes and suggests a question to the accountants. So the, the accountant's still there as a gatekeeper, mm. which is an important. Right. There's probably a scenario in the future where the the algorithms get smart enough where there are going to be right. certain transactions where they're comfortable just for it to go straight out. But certainly for us, we're still in that kind of training phase. Mm. And the accountant will review the question. They'll make any changes that they need to make to it. Or if it's right, they release it. We've been running that um, for all our clients for the past six months. And we're already at a, at a stage where nine out of 10 questions are correct. And that nine out of 10 times, 90% of the time, what the bot thinks needs to be asked mm. is correct. And you also have the expert back up should the one out of 10 not fit into a box Correct. right which is you know it's like having a pilot in the plane the plane yeah. can fly itself but yeah. just in case yeah and, and that's incredibly important yeah so when when the accountant goes in and says you know what but today you're a bit off right. this is what i was supposed to be yeah. asking obviously we, we record that and then the machine learns on 
machine learns mm. on that. Mm. And that's 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 a big part of. And then the chasing up the you know it's been three days, it's been five days. You've got an AGM coming up. You know we need your financial statements by this date. You have this many outstanding transactions. All that following up stuff. Mm. Um, we're automating part of it. I mean, there's there's more that we can do there because mm. because it's part of it is asking it, and then a big part of it is then following up. And the technology's been built in a way where it's really easy for our clients to respond to things. We've kind of gamified it where there's a task module. They can log in at any point and they can see exactly what they need to respond to us mm-hmm. on. And if they don't open things, there's like a number that's still kind of flashing in terms of account. So we've actually found feedback from our clients is surprisingly the first thing they do in the morning is they go in there and clear that. Dashboard, yeah. Because it's fun, it's gamified. They yeah. want to keep that thing clear rather than digging into an email chain with your with your accountant. This is, I mean, I'm... I'm really interested in this for a number of reasons. Obviously, my background is in AI, so I'm always mm. fascinated by how people integrate it and mm. how they use it mm. in, you know, not necessarily, you know, the the most obvious fashions like mm. robotics mm. or, you know, changing the world, but, you know, in how we make our lives easier yeah. as entrepreneurs as well. So what you're doing, I think, is really interesting. The, the other part is that, um, you know, as entrepreneurs, we don't like making decisions, you know, regularly mm. because it sort of removes... You know, we we have a, so much energy on in a day as a founder of a business that you know mm. we have to make decisions and it's like mm. you know Barack Obama was once asked like why does he have two boiled eggs for for breakfast every mm. morning mm. the same thing every mm. day and he says look mm. I make two thousand decisions a day yeah one of which is I've got my finger on the button like do you want me to be making a decision about what I'm going to have for breakfast right I think it's the same with founders it's like I don't want to be making decisions and worried about oh what was I supposed to do and when was I supposed to send that and how do I follow that thing up so if I can go into a dashboard. The dashboard tells me, Graham, this, 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 do it now. Mm-hmm. Like click, click. Okay, fine, fine, fine. I can just remove decision making mm-hmm. from that process, and it makes it a lot smoother. Mm-hmm. So I welcome that mm. personally. That's a pain point that I have in business. You mm. know, you you do so many decisions on a daily basis. Mm. Some of them are very, very important. Mm. You know, these are core mm. business decisions. Everything else, you can kind of do the heavy lifting, get mm. the automating done. And I've also faced, and I'll share this with you, is that in, in another business that I have, mm. um, we set up with a service provider and they um, very well sort of, you know, automated online, et cetera, et cetera. You know, all that process was very nice with the setup. However, when it came to reconciling the accounts, mm. the um, accountant was on holiday. Mm. Mm. And, you know, when, if, if you give me a bot, mm. the I'm sure your bot doesn't take a holiday, right? Mm, mm. You know, and I think that's the problem is that you can create a nice front end on all of this. Mm. Like we're taking corporate sec online, mm. easy to set up. Mm. But the the real experience comes down to, like you said, so much of it is just taking up with this following up and chasing mm. up. And that really is what corporate secretarial is for most companies, mm. right? Just mm. kind of that two-way communication. Mm. So I faced a real pain point, mm. you know, a frustration. Mm. I'm sure a lot of, I think Founders. we've all got our stories. Oh, There's oh, a reason why I went into the space. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah. So yeah. totally, I think, you know, if yeah. somebody just kind of automates that, yeah. rather than says, let's make this sexy, mm. let's make this work really well, mm. you know, that for me is like what's needed. Mm. Yeah, so same page. There you go. So um, I'm, yeah. I'm doing the same yeah. for you here. Yeah, no, I think you're, totally you're, we need you're, it. You're, you're yeah, and it's, and it's, you know, there are, there are things we do around other workflows, around... You know, capturing clients' requirements around you know anything they want, adding directors, you know, automating the capture of information we need to do things like that. So, you know, over time you just sort of go down the list. You start with the ones that are the larger pain point and the and the larger time sink. Mm. And I think it's it's accounting and there's a global application for it. 
Um, but yeah, this this applies into other services too, the CorpSec services as mm. well. So it's it's a place for you into your task module. You can manage all of your corporate services, be it accounting, be it tax, be it CorpSec. You know, you've got the comfort there's a human at the other end of it, but you've got the comfort knowing that they are heavily technology assisted, which means that they're running really efficiently. Mm. Um, and it means that um, you know the quality of service is going to be much higher. Hmm. The responsiveness is going to be much higher. So we have an SLA in place with our clients. No message does not get responded to longer than 24 hours. Hmm. And that's running at a 99 plus. And we can track it because the messaging is on our environment. And we know that. Um, and whether there are bottlenecks, again, we've got visibility because we own that data. We can see what's going on and where the, where the bottlenecks are and how we can help the team out to be more efficient around technology or non-technology solutions. Hmm. Um, and, um, yeah, it, it just becomes incredibly powerful. I mean, we, we have a chat app as well. So clients can, you know, whip up a chat and if they want to speak to us real time, they can too. We find clients are like, there's not a lot they need, like real, real time. Most of it's, yeah, if you can get back to me in 24 hours, that's already yeah. right up there. It's just been dealt with. Yeah. The, they been, don't want to be chasing up the chase up, right? That's the bit that bothers clients, right? Yeah. And, and they know that on, on our side, any requests, so much like we can raise tasks for clients, they mm. can raise, raise tasks for us. So they can, they can see not only what they need to respond, they also know what we're responding on mm. and they can see how long it's sitting there. And right now it's not sitting there for longer than 24 hours before they mm. get a response back. Mm. Yeah. And they can see when it's done, archived, it's done. Excellent. Yeah. Good. Well, let me ask you then two questions. Yeah. Firstly, I want to know about the, the journey yeah. of Zave. Like, you know, how long you've been around, like what your plans are for, you know, growth as yeah. well. Um, are you raising funds and also are you hiring? Yeah. I kind of know the answer to some of these questions, but to share it with the, the viewers and the listeners as well. The first, f the first part about how long you've been around, mm. when did you incorporate? Um, so the company's been around for 18 months yeah based here in singapore based here in singapore okay yeah so you're you're not a new team per se you, you've got you know you've been around for a while operationally yeah. yeah so you're in the market you have clients yeah making money yeah so you know you're not a complete startup yeah. you have your revenue streams in place size wise how many people in the team so in in singapore we have 15 people hmm. and in hong kong we have two right in melbourne we have two are they, We've just opened Melbourne and Hong Kong this month. Are they sales offices or are they so? So we put on the ground the minimum required to be compliant in those markets. So for for Hong Kong, it's a company secretary. Right, for okay. Australia, it's a cert for BAS filing. It basically somebody can do what's needed to be compliant in Australia. Mm -hmm. the 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 shared services, if you will, the the nerve center, the engineering teams, the digital marketing teams, the analog marketing teams, client success. Um, that all sits here in, in, in Singapore. Right. At, at least at the stage that we're at. We'll start to push more bodies down there, but for the time being, it's the shared services that up here in Singapore. Okay, so you're 15 here in Singapore. 15 just under, here in Singapore. 20 globally. Yeah. And from here on in, are you raising funds? So we, um, we're in the process of, of closing a, another round. Mm. So we've, we've taken VC funding um, at, seed, at, at inception last year. Um, from East Ventures. Mm -hmm. um, we're now doing another round where current and new venture capital is is, is is joining us on this journey. Right, so you're good for funding at so the So we're moment. good. 
Right. Yeah. So but we're, we're yeah. We, it doesn't we, stop though. It yeah. Come, the next yeah. round will be coming as soon as you're done. Yeah. That. It's you're, a sales process. Just <laughs> as you close one client, you got to get the next one again. Yeah. All right. So the main focus now, I guess, is about mm. getting the right people through yeah. the door, the talent. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about like your hiring. Yeah. You, are you hiring like for specific hard skills, or is there certain mindsets and certain yeah. geographies as well? So. It's a really good question because I really feel that, and a lot of people ask, what's the hardest thing about a startup? And I think it's HR and personnel, and it's it's getting the right talent, it's motivating and retaining that talent, um, and it's incredibly hard. Mm. And we spend a lot of a lot of time thinking about it, and we don't get everything right, but uh, but but we 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 try our best. Um, and I think with us and some of the new breed corporate services providers out there, we have this unique challenge in that it's not a pure engineering firm. Mm. It is also a corporate services firm. So there are people with a wide range of experiences, skills, expectations for a company culture, um, expectations in terms of what they want to get out of their roles. And the mindset's different. Mm. You know, the mindset at a Google and the mindset at a KPMG it's different. So we're bringing those two worlds together. Um, and we've been very sensitive around making sure that goes well. I think we've done a good job at it. Mm. It's not been 100% perfect, but I think, we, I think we've done yeah. a good, I think we've done an okay job at it. Yeah. Um, the, in terms of, of hiring, so engineering, we continually build it out. So I call myself a half-ad engineer. I still mess around and code on the weekends, but nobody in the right mind to put me near a production environment, which is probably right. quite smart. But I think you probably have enough to be able to sit with an engineer and speak yeah. to them, right? That's the key, isn't it? Yeah, so yeah, so I'm I'm product manager. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I tech specs, user specs, database schema, workflow charts, flow charts, all that stuff, running sprints. I I, I do all of that. And I think that's gonna be the case for the next sort of twelve to eighteen months. And I, I enjoy it, so it's mm. it's fine. Um engineering team, we continue to build that out. Um looks like we actually picked up somebody quite interesting at your career fair yes thank you so much for that um <laughs> Job done. we've come across a rock star right engineer engineer good really solid so we we had a a gap in terms of a, mm. a skill set or, or at least a an area that we kind of wanted somebody to be more dedicated on so i mean at this stage we're still hiring full stack developers yeah but each of them have their own little kind of focus areas. Like some will be more interested in AI and natural language processing, and some will be more interested in the back end, front end database, whatever mm. it is. There was a there was a gap where we feel we could have um, you know more kind of focus engineering around that problem set, and we, we looks like we're picking somebody up. Right, and it's going to be an ongoing process, isn't it? Yeah, you know you always in the yeah. game for recruiting yeah. talent just as we are any startup founder is yeah. always hiring yeah so from here on what are you looking for is it more engineers or is it other kind of skills that you want as well so it's for us it's uh it's in every vertical <laughs> so right. it's probably not a great answer but so engineering of course we're always going to be hiring um client success and we're looking for people coming out of professional services firms right. that um, you know, understand what financial statements are. They know what a P&L statement is. They know what a balance sheet is. Uh, but they want to work in a more agile environment. Mm. So we've had good success hiring people out of the big four um, into client success. And, and they've been they've been amazing. So these are client-facing roles where someone's going to sit and, I yeah. understand your business. Here's yeah. the implementation. 
Correct. So the, the way it, the way it works here is the onboarding process um, uh, works. Um, the onboarding client, the prospective client, works with the client success team, mm. and and that client success person is with them for the entire journey. So from onboarding to maintenance to any issues along the road to God forbid they leave our service, mm. but I'm sure we'll, some will. Um, that client success person's there every step of the way, right. and then they're the gatekeeper. They're the RM for that for that client if there's any issues, et cetera. Mm. And then there's the the company secretaries, the the bookkeepers, you know, they work within their professional services team. And depending on what the workflow is, they directly interact with the clients mm. through through our messaging systems. Mm. Um, and um, you know, those areas are important as well. So we're always looking for, you know, tech savvy bookkeepers, yeah. tech savvy corporate secretaries. Um, client success, um, and um, and then more broadly, sort of middle management. You know, as we start to grow, mm. you know, we have a C-suite, and now we've nothing kind. Of, there's no middle layer, and then there's the team that below come, that. Yeah. So you know, putting in middle management. So actually, you know, we've got budget. Actually, hire some pretty strong people that would come in at middle management right now. Mm. So I guess the key, Alan, is the mindset that they're going to bring mm. as well, because you've got a real mix of skills. There, you've got engineers, relationship managers the guys who actually have to do the corporate secretarial yeah. work as well. And then, you know, the middle managers, process operations and so on. Yeah. Mindset wise, yeah. do you have a specific thing or attitude that you look for? Because mm. I guess now you have a choice about the kind of people you want to in mm. involve in your company and you're small enough yeah. that you can really, you know, those early people are really going to shape the culture, yeah. aren't they? Yeah. So you're very conscious of the culture and the attitude and so on. Yeah. Is there something that really attracts you to somebody in terms of, yeah, they're really going to work at Zave? They, do they bring something to the table which isn't necessarily on the CV? Yeah. So for us, it's less about, it's a bit cliche. And, you know, Google and Facebook famously now say you don't need to have gone to Stanford and other universities to get a job at Google. And, you know, we agree with that. So it's less about what's on the CV. Mm. It's the mindset. And, and for us, it's, it's, the, um, it's, it's the curiosity. So, and you pick up on that straight away. Is this person curious? Because we don't have the answers, right? And I'm pretty sure they don't have the answers either. So what's on the CV is, is nice and there's a certain level of education that's helpful and we look for that. But, you know, is this person like just naturally really, really curious? Mm. And you pick up on it straight away. Like, I'm pretty sure naturally you're curious about AI. I picked up on that straight away. Mm. I, I'm also pretty sure you're not the best AI person in the world, you know? But the fact that you're curious, mm. that's what's more important. Why? To us. Because every single day, we need to be testing our assumptions on everything that we're doing. So we want people to come in and continually test our processes. Mm. I want people to come in and test, test me, test the assumptions that I make around everything that we do. Um, and if the person is not naturally curious around doing things better and you know, being more efficient in the way you service clients or whatever it is, if they don't have that mindset, um, we're not the place for them. Mm. You know, they should go and work at a Bank of America Merrill Lynch where they'll get told what to do. Yeah. yeah. You don't have to be cu Curiosity is actually no, probably a bad no, thing. Right? No, the compliance team would rather you're not curious. <laughs> yeah. Curiosity brought on the financial crisis. Exactly, so, exactly. Yeah. Killed, killed the financial cap. Yeah, killed the fine. What, what, what do you... Um, you know, in, in, I guess what I want to sort of put out is for those that are listening and watching that are curious mm. and would like to be part of the team. And I think it comes down to, you know, 90% of it is going to be you. Mm. Like, you know, I always say to people interested in working startups is join the startup because of the founder. Mm. You know, that is the most important thing. Mm. The mission, 
the product are really secondary mm. to that because mm. that founder will become your mentor. You're going to work with that person. You're going to probably sit with them in some cases, you know, for longer hours than you will with your wife or your mm. husband, right? Mm. So, you know, you have to have a good relationship. But ultimately, you know, what they're doing and what they're trying to achieve in their lives will have a big impact on you. Mm. And, you know, you can go and work in a startup. You don't have to start your own startup, but you can work in that dynamic environment and work, you know, almost like be an apprentice under that that mm -hmm. CEO or that founder and learn so many things about the startup world. Mm. And then, you know, in future, you can go and start your own business and so on. So just in terms of that, coming back to the curiosity mm. that you talked about, how does somebody know that they're curious? I mean, because, mm. you know, I might say I'm curious, but I need to have sort of evidence of it when I sit with you and say, mm. yeah, I want to, I want to work with Zave. I want to come change the world or whatever mm. it is that your mission is, right? You know, how do I know what would be signs of that for you mm. as well mm. that I'm a curious person? Mm. You know, is it I went to this university or I did these you know, these subjects at mm. school or mm. what sort of, you know, for you is like that sort of checkbox. Yes. That person is curious. That's curious. Yeah. So, you know, I think there are some, you know, very concrete indicators and some it's just a little bit softer, but the, the concrete indicators for us will be, you know, how do they spend their spare time? You know, are they, you know, are they just coming home and going to bed or are they, are they doing things on the side? You know, mm. they, have they got their little pet projects? You know, that's probably the easiest way to demonstrate that you're a naturally curious person. Um, and then beyond that, just, um, you know, there's quite a bit of sort of publicly available around, you know, what Zave's doing and we have a website and there's, there's a fair bit of hinting on there in terms of what we do, you know? Absolutely. And, yeah. you know, when, when people come in and they say, listen, um, you know, we see what you're doing. It's, it sounds super exciting. You know, it's, it's solving a real pain point. This is why I think it is. This is where I, I, you know, this is where I see things going. So getting that demonstration of their curiosity is buying into what I'm doing mm. is, is really, really important as well. Yeah. Naturally curious. That's great. But buying into my curiosity as well. So, cause I'm not going to think of everything. Um, you know, every great invention in corporate services going forward is not going to come out as safe. Hmm. Um, it's not going to come out of me for sure. Hopefully, most of it comes of out it of Zave. <laughs> Hopefully, most of it comes out of Zave. Um, but uh, no, we, we want people to be uh, to be helping us with that. Yeah, I, I think Alan, you've identified two really important questions there, which are, are so important at the interview process. That whole sort of engagement process. Firstly, that one about what do you know about us? Mm. Because you know, I'm surprised even people with great CVs can rock yeah. up to an interview sit yeah. with you and they haven't done the research yeah. because they're just doing the rounds. It's, it's a like, non-starter. Don't, don't waste it's our time painful. here. So th that's the first one. But that second yeah. one about the pet projects, mm. one of the questions I ask um, to people who come for interview is, um, what have you done outside of school or, you know, work where, mm. you know, you've been told to do something? Mm. Mm. And again, you know, people like, it could be the Stanford people, mm. great CVs, they struggle. It's like, yeah. I haven't done anything yeah. in my life. I've yeah. just been told. But, the pet project people are like, yeah. yeah, I set up this Instagram store or I've been running this sort of like, you know, this project with friends for this startup. Those are the people who are really interesting because yeah. they do stuff without being told. Yeah. And that's a really important part in terms of how they help grow a company because it can't be you all the time telling people to yeah. do this, that. They've got to come to you with ideas, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, you do find people that are naturally curious to some of these large organizations and it's it's harder to kind of do that because a lot of it is dictated to you. But yeah, I mean, we interview people from large organizations. They come to us say, yeah, I was at a KPMG 
Um, but I did this extra thing. Mm. I was part of a, a you know a review panel for you know I, I worked with charities or you know I built something that was not there before or I helped the engineering team develop whatever it is. So um, so the pet projects can also be within those yeah. large concrete coal organizations. They do go on um, or outside, and, and we're naturally indifferent. In and we understand like if you work in a Goldman Sachs and 120 hours a week, you're not going a lot of time for pet project. No. But show me what you're doing at Goldman Sachs during your 14 hours of FaceTime a day. That's you right. Yeah, yeah. No, good point. Yeah. All right. Well, let me sort of um, sort of dig a little bit deeper yeah. just on the culture side because this yeah. is going to be a really important yeah. part, not just for people who are interested in joining the team, but also you know potential partners long term as well. Because yeah. we can't see it. Obviously, we sat with you, Alan. Yeah. We've got a, an insight into the mm. man and the company as well. Mm. But as a culture as yeah. Zave, what do you like? Yeah. You know, are you like the funky Google ball pit, the slide and... Or, you know, like, you know, you have, how, how do you run your, your business? Is it, yeah. you know, I'm always curious because everybody has a different answer. Yeah. And I, I always think it comes down to people seek out work yeah. and places to work with because of the people, you know, and not necessarily the, the free beer and the slide, right? But also mm. meaningful work. Mm. So how is it in Zave? So um, I, I think it's, I'd, I'd like to think, and um, my colleagues, I'm sure, have their views as well. But um, from what I can, from what I can tell, we're we're doing a good job in encouraging a, a very open organization. So, and and that's not just open within our pods. So an engineering pod or a client success pod. We want the organization to be open across the entire organization. So um, we spend a lot of time ensuring that everybody feels that they're a stakeholder in everything that we do. Um, and, um, you know, that's from the accountants suggesting the way that they can be more efficient and how that then feeds back into product and engineering. It can even be from the engineering team by thinking about the way that, you know, accountants can do things mm. differently or client success. So, you know, one thing we do as an example of that is, you know, our engineering roadmap is open to the entire company. So that's, you know, it's run on a Trello and anybody anybody in the company can log in and they can throw a card up there. It doesn't mean I'm not going to throw it to the side and say, this is not a priority for us, and but everything will be discussed. Um, so, you know, running a, an incredibly open culture, culture I think, is, is really important. You know, mm. the open door policy, sure, I think every, even large companies, I think, will tell you they, they have that. But, you know, we really, um, you know, we really do, you know, day to day. Um, and then I think, you know, just, just more broadly, um, the, the atmosphere in the, in the company, it's, it's, I wouldn't say it's as casual as a consumer facing, you know, marketplace for, I don't know, dinky cars, skateboards, skateboards. I wouldn't say it's as casual as that. Um, it's, it's not as buttoned down as a JP Morgan or KPMG. I think it's closer to the dinky cars than it is to that. Right. But at the end of the day, you know, we're an ACRA regulated institution. So, you know, we are providing regulated services to people um, that are doing really important things. So, you know, we need to make sure that our processes are squared away. So there, yeah. are, there are processes in place. It's not like there's no process and it's casual. Hmm. So, um, but, you know, I think we do a good job in kind of getting that, getting that balance right. Absolutely. That, you know, it is an open place to work. You know, we appreciate everyone's feedback. You know, Sharing information, that's important. Sharing of company company compliant and companies data across the organization, well, absolutely not. Mm. You know, that needs to be petitioned. That needs to be very cleanly like kind of locked down. Um and and getting that balance, getting that balance right is an ongoing task. And I th- I think we did reasonably well at it. Good. 
Alan Small, everybody, founder and CEO of Zave. It's been a real pleasure sitting with you today, Alan. Enjoyed Thank our you. chat. Um, I, well, you know, what you're doing, I can see applications even for companies like ours, as small as ours, straight off the bat, you know, in terms of the benefit. Um, you know, so I would love to sort of follow your story and how Zave's going to grow over the next sort of 12, 24 months. Because I think you've alluded to it already in our conversation. It's right now you're solving your own problem, mm. if you like. You're building that platform mm. to solve a, a corporate services provider's problem. And that mm. happens to be you mm -hmm. right now. Mm -hmm. But if you can solve your problem, mm -hmm. you can also solve other po mm -hmm. people's problems with that platform, right? Mm -hmm. You could take that on a wider basis. And mm. that becomes really interesting, yeah. right? Because then your sort of role evolves with yeah. that to this platform. So yeah. that'd be exciting. Yeah. So I watch with interest yeah. how that's going to go, as well as your growth as well. I mean, you've obviously grown very well over the, the last 18 months um, and more of the same, hopefully. Thank you. You know, new markets as well. So yeah. thank you for coming and sharing your story today with us, Alan. It's been a real privilege. Thank you. It's been a pleasure to be on. I uh, enjoy the conversation. Excellent. And lastly, before you sign off, what is the best way for people to reach out to you? What's the best channel? Just email me. Excellent. So first name, alian at zave.sg. Send me an email. I'm on LinkedIn. That works too. We'll put it all in the show notes. Great. Alan Small, everybody. Thank you very much. Thanks so much, Graham. Thanks, Tim. You've been listening to Asia Tech Podcast. Find out more at atp.show.